0: Thanks for joining us on the bridge today. We hope today's sermon will create a connection between you and your creator. Now God, he's always trying to bridge the gap between heaven and earth, which means that he's, he's constantly reaching out for you. And maybe this podcast can provide a bridge for that connection to take place. So, my friend, what is God saying to you Today? I don't know about you, but I desperately need to be transformed. There are ways about me that I don't like. There are ways about me that sabotages my own life. I have ways of eating that brings me regret sometimes slowly and sometimes instant regret before we ever leave the restaurant I have ways about me that lead to isolation isolation of myself and isolation of others I have ways of worrying that lead to overwhelm and anxiety. I do not like my ways. Kind of like Saint Paul, he said, I I struggle with doing what I don't wanna do and not doing what I wanna do, I struggle with these things. I guess I can relate to him on that. I have ways of thinking that cause dysfunction in my own life, and I sometimes have ways of spending that lead to regret. (laughs) <laughs> Spending money. I have ways of thinking about God that sometimes make me run from him instead of to him. And I have ways about, of thinking about church that are sometimes in a tiny little box that I don't think God wants me to put him in that box. Proverbs 14 and 12 says that there is a way, everybody say way. Way, way, there is a way that seems right to man, but the end is the way to death. We all have our ways, don't we? In 1974, Burger King came out with the slogan, have it your way, yes. You guys already know it, don't you? It was, uh, it was to rival its competition, which was McDonald's at the time. And at McDonald's, you could only get your burger the way it came. You couldn't say no onion, no pickle. You had to get it the way that it came. But Burger King had a revolutionary idea to get what you want on your burger. And now it's just like, if, that's the way it is. And so it's not that revolutionary now. It's like, I don't want that burger. It's got onion on it. Give me another one, right? And um, But it was revolutionary back then. Have it your way. Now it's funny because there was another idiom floating around in the 1970s as well. And it's, it goes like this. It's my way or the... And You guys know it well, don't you? Now, I guess this was McDonald's slogan. <laughs> if you want it your way, you better go to Burger King because we ain't going to do that. But now they will, of course. They'll, they'll make your burger any way that you want to. So I'm not trying to do false advertisement for McDonald's right now. But you heard both of these phrases. You've heard it's my way or the highway. And you have heard have it your way both of these phrases and if you're honest you've probably said them in one way or another to somebody whether you said it out loud, said it in your head or whether you acted it out. I don't care what you do I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I'm going to have it, my You go ahead and have it your way. We've done that if you're honest with yourself. And I and if I asked you to raise your hand this morning, if you get frustrated with your spouse's ways, hands would fly up all over the room, right? If I asked you this morning, if you got frustrated with your sibling, or your friends, or your neighbors, or your or your coworker or your boss's ways, hands would go up all over the room. We get frustrated with everybody else's ways, don't we? But I wonder how many hands would go up if I ask you if you are frustrated with your own ways. Yeah, well, definitely. <laughs> but honestly, we, we have a tendency to have our radar out and ready to criticize everybody else's ways, but somehow our ways manages to fly under the radar, don't they? we all have our own ways. Can somebody say amen? Amen. And there are many moments when our way clashes with somebody else's way. We're all convinced that our way is the best way. And let me just kind of give you a story about that. One day, one day me and my wife, my daughter Bailey and her best friend Shelby, they, we were going to head to town from our house get a bite to eat we were going to go to a restaurant and I can only imagine if, we're, if they're going with us it's probably El Patio I can't even remember but I'm sure it was El Patio from our house and so they jumped in their vehicle and me and my wife we jumped in our vehicle we took off when we left from our house at the same time now we both took our separate ways. There's that word again. We both took our separate ways. And me and Angela just so happened to beat Bailey and her buddy to the restaurant. And they swore up and down that we had to be flying and speeding down the road just to beat them. I mean, Angela was like, no, we just, we just rode. It was just normal. No, there's no way. There's no way you beat us here going that way. Our way is faster. Our way is better. And we're convinced that our way is better, aren't we? Now, I didn't, you know, you know me and how gentle and how calm and how kind. And I, I didn't rub it in at all. I like uh, teaching people to paint that have never painted before um, because they're easier to teach, and the reason why I like teaching people who haven't painted before is because to paint is because they don't have bad habits that they have already learned from painting with somebody else. If I can get a hold of somebody before they ever go learn to paint from somebody else, then they, I can teach them good habits. And, and it's so much easier than breaking the bad habits. Amen? And I, I think that this is one reason that Jesus said in Matthew 18 and 3, He said, Unless you change, and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. We always come to God with our own ideas and ways that we think that we think that things should be done. Sometimes it's through prayer, sometimes it's through fasting. We always come to God with our own ideas and the way that things should be done. but Jesus is telling us in this Scripture, forget all of that and start all over from the beginning. you got to be like a kid. you got to be like a child. When a child comes to you, they don't know anything. They just soak it all in. They trust you. They trust what you're saying to them is true. And they take it and they learn it. And that's what Jesus is telling us. He's saying, I have a better way. Can everybody say way this morning? I have a better way. Isaiah 55 and 9 9 says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Now, I wanted to start us off this year with this idea, but we were immediately kind of thrust into the practice of fasting because our the church of God of Prophecy does a corporate fast for 21 days, and we got in on that very first day, and so we just kind of jumped right into the fasting, and and that's okay, that's good. For those of you who participated with us in this fast, I want you to understand that you were pra- practicing the ways of Jesus, Amen. You were practicing the way of Jesus when you were fasting. And that is what we're going to be spending the bulk of our year on this year. We're not just going to read about Jesus. We're going to try to do what he did. Does that sound kind of crazy? See, Matthew 23 and 3 says, So practice, say that word practice with me. So practice and obey what they tell you, but don't follow their example for they don't practice what they preach. Now you've heard that before, haven't you? That's where it comes from. They don't practice what they preach. You see that word practice, it's important to us. Because it's not just thinking about or reading about, it's actually doing. You remember me telling you that The spiritual disciplines are also called the spiritual practices. Remember me saying that earlier this year so far? That's because God wants us to follow our Rabbi Jesus. Now, when you practice, you're training. When you practice, you are training. And in order for you to survive a battle, you have to train, not just try. And I'm going to stop for just a second here because I want you to, to... the gist of this. I want you to understand that there are people who don't think that they're in a battle at all. They think the Christian life is they grab roses and they go, skip it along. That's what they think. And in my mind, all I can do is picture that person skipping along on a minefield. (laughs) Grenades flying. Explosions happening all around them. And they're just oblivious to what's going on. We're in a battle church. And some of us feel. The heaviness of that battle. Some of us are scarred. From that battle. And. I want you just to imagine. If you are. Are. There are so many people who walk along in this life who have no idea. They are oblivious to the war that is going on around them. But when you practice your training, are you going to, let me ask you this if you put somebody, send somebody to war, are you just going to put a gun in their hand, give them a helmet, and send them overseas? No. You're going to send them to training first, aren't you? They're going to go through training before they enter battle. That's not what we do today. We just, we just roll up our sleeves and go out there. We don't train. And so, you have to, I said this earlier, you have to train, not just try. Because if you just go out there and you try, you're going to fail. I hate to say it, but it's going to happen. And Jesus knew this. You know this. Because we've all failed on some level at some point in, the, in our spiritual journey and in our life. So you have to, to train, not just try. And if you're not sold yet, let's look at another scripture, 1 John 2 and 29. It says, if, if, you, know, if you know that He is righteous... You may be sure that everyone who hears this word again practices righteousness, has been born of Him. Now, how do you know if someone is a real disciple? He or she will be practicing the way of Jesus. If you're still not convinced, let's look at another scripture. 1 John 1 and 6 says this. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. There it is again. We like hearing the truth and we like speaking the truth. But how much do we enjoy practicing the truth? Well, that depends on what you mean by truth, Pastor. We all, you know, there's different definitions floating around today of what truth actually is. My definition is John 14 and 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except by me. That's my definition of truth. Jesus, living, walking, talking truth. He said, I am the way. There's two things, those two words in there. He said, I am the way and the truth you have both of those words right there he jesus says he's both the way and the truth and then he says the life so practicing truth and practicing the way of jesus are both the same thing when you practice the way of jesus and when you practice the truth that's the same thing. It's following Jesus. It's being a disciple of Jesus. And I'm sorry if I'm being redundant, but I, I'm not done being redundant just yet. The early church, and when I say the early church, I don't mean like, you know, everybody that got here at 9.30 this morning. I'm not talking about that. <laughs> I'm talking about an Acts in the Bible. The early church they called following Jesus the way. Did you know this? We're going to look at it. Acts 9 and 2. We'll go there. It says this. we want to start actually at verse 1. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus. So that if he found any belonging to the way—that's a capital—the way men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So another. You know, we're going to skip all the way over to Acts eighteen. Get over here. Don't have my iPad this morning, so it's not as fast. Acts eighteen. We we'll started verse 24. It says, Now a Jew named Apollos and a native of Alexandria came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord. There it is again. And being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak. Boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him and explained to him the way of God more accurately. There it is again, the way. Go down to verse 19 in Acts. We're going to jump down to verse 9 and it says this, But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way, There it is again, capital letter. Before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. This is Paul that we're speaking about. We'll jump down to verse 23 now. About that time, there arose no little disturbance concerning, there it is again, the way, capital letters. We'll jump over to Acts 22. I know I'm flooding you with Scripture. 22 and 4 we'll start at 3 and it says I am a Jew born in Tarsus this is Paul speaking in Sicilian but brought up in this city educated at the feet of Gamaliel according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers being zealous for God as all of you are this day I persecuted this way to the death there it is again down to verse 14 in the same chapter well, no, it's 24, I'm sorry. 24 and 14. Paul is still speaking. He says, But this I confess to you that according to the way, there it is again, which they call a sect, I worship the God of our fathers, believing everything laid down by the law and written in the prophets. We're going down to 22. But Felix, having rather accurate knowledge of... The way, put them off saying, when Lysias the Tribune comes down, I will decide your case. Now, why did I just read all of that to you? That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight scriptures in Acts. Why am I drilling you with all the scriptures? Because I've had you focused on two words for a minute here. Practice and the way. Practice and the way. And what I want us to do this year is I want us to practice the way of Jesus. And I want us to take the things that he did and begin to do them in our own lives. Not just and here's, here's where we kind of we get a hang up. We as Christians, we come to church and we read our Bible. And we think that's it. We're done. We don't do anything else. And let's just let's just be straight. The number of Christians who actually go to church and read the Bible today is going way down. Okay? They they want to claim to be a Christian, but they don't do what Christians do. They don't come to church and they don't read the Bible. Now let me just say this. You I cannot see being a follower of Jesus and not gathering regularly with the saints and not reading your Bible. This is, I, these are things that you need, you must do as a follower of Jesus. But this ain't it. That's not all that you have to do. That's not, all that, that's not the only thing that we need to practice as Christians. Fasting is one of these practices. And uh, we went over seven biblical reasons for you to fast. And uh, none of them had anything to do with losing weight. Did anybody? I I mean, I'm curious. Did anybody lose weight on that fast? I didn't lose. I think I gained weight. (laughs) And and, and that's great. but, But the whole purpose was not to actually lose weight. I don't know how many times people were like, well, there's got to be a better way to lose weight. We're not trying to lose weight. That's not what we're doing. And, and, and people just think you're crazy for doing it. And we would be at work and they're like, we're going to lunch. What do y'all doing? What, y'all going to lunch? No, we're just going to work through lunch. Why? Well, you know, our church is doing a fast. And, well, you don't look like you're losing no weight. Well, thanks for that. But that's not why we're doing it seven biblical reasons that we went over to fast number one starve the flesh and to feed the spirit and this is huge because if you are wrestling with your flesh if you're wrestling with an appetite that you have that is unhealthy if you're wrestling with an addiction this is a good way to help you learn how to say no to your appetites and to your flesh Starve the flesh and feed the spirit. Number two, to repent. You ever do something that you don't, you know you shouldn't have done, and then you're just like, "Ah, I shouldn't have done that. Then you just say, all right, God, I'm sorry. Now God, he's just to forgive you. But if you want to truly repent and apologize well, couple your repentance with fasting. That's what they did in the Bible. And it's not that you're trying to do this as penance, but you're just serious in your apology, and you're saying, I am dead serious, God, about what I've done, and I am sorry. There's grieving. That's number three. One one is to starve the flesh, feed the spirit. Two is to repent. Three is to grieve. Some of us, in the Bible, this is what they would do. They would fast, and when they would grieve, and it would help them to grieve well. Number four, to cry out to God in a crisis. Number five, to change God's mind. Number six, to know God's mind in making decisions. And number seven, to stand in solidarity with the poor, which is what we just did, while we took up the offering for. Now, if you missed last month, there it is. That's what we talked about. And if you want to go back and hear it, it's on the podcast, okay? But I want you to know the biblical reasons, so you can make a regular practice of fasting in your life. And some of you are, like, oh my gosh, I thought we were done. Mm-hmm. That corporate fast is over, alright? But we slowly worked our way into doing it because I wanted you to get used to this idea. So that you could continue to put this practice in play in your life. Because Jesus said, when you fast, not if you fast, but when you fast. And, I, and so, these, this is one of the spiritual practices that we need to learn how to integrate in our life. Now, here's a cool thought. If you've already fasted 21 days with us, if that's you and you've done that, then guess what? You have 19 days left to do a 40 day fast in this year. How many of you can say that you fasted for 40 days? I know it's not consecutive. But for 40 days. This year I fasted for 40 days. I've never done that. That's a pretty cool goal to have. Now if you. In order to say this. If you just to say you fasted with us for our 21 days. What you can do is you can fast one day a week. And not get out by summer. Or, or you can fast once every two weeks and knock it out by fall. But that's not very demanding, not very difficult. And I'm not even saying you have to fast a full day. Just decide and pray. You know what am I going to do, Lord? That last week I asked you to listen to the Holy Spirit because I want you to learn to decide what the Spirit wants. If the Spirit wants you to fast for uh, fast lunch, fast lunch, or just fast breakfast, fast breakfast, whatever you do. But find a way to implement this practice in your life. Okay? Now, this week, practice is simple. All right? Decide how you are going to continue the practice of fasting in your life. Think about it this week and say, okay, how am I going to do this? Do I want to try to do this 40 day thing? Or am I, you know, whatever? Do I just want to try to uh, maybe one day a month, two days a month, one day a week I want to dedicate to fasting in my life. I want to keep this spiritual practice going. Now, I believe that as we continue to practice the ways of Jesus that we will become more like Him. Amen? Amen? And I think it's cool that in the book of Acts, what we do is called the way. Have you ever heard of that? Did you know that? Did you know that that's as Christians that we were called followers of the way? It is all through the book of Acts. I just read you the majority. And there's even more, but I just read you the majority of the scriptures. In in the ancient church, they would call call Christians the followers of the way. That is all through there. But did you know that the word Christian is only in the Bible two times? Yeah, we use Christian all the time. I just think it's a pretty cool thing. Um, The way of Jesus. Now, um, I want to return to my beginning thought before we wind up today that is that I don't like my ways. I need my ways to change. And the only way I know to change is to begin to practice the way of Jesus in my own life. If I have a bad habit or a way that I don't like in my life, I need to somehow remove that and replace it with the way of Jesus or with the habit of Jesus. Am I making sense to you today? This is how transformation takes place in our life. The Holy Spirit, I'm not, not taking away from Him because He actually makes the change happen. God makes the change happen. But it's not just Him. It has to be, there has to be us in this too. We have to be in this. God's not going to grab you, put you in a headlock and make you fast. He's not going to do that. He's not going to grab you and put you in a headlock and make you pray or or in your morning time spend quiet time with Him or do the Lord's Supper. He's not going to make you do any of these things. He's not going to put you in a headlock. So, I know that to change is to begin to practice the way of Jesus in my life. So today, what I want to do is we are. We're gonna do communion, and this is one of the practices. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. And I will say this much: that sometimes when you're doing the practice, it don't feel that spiritual. It really don't. And not always do the practices of Jesus like not always when you fast, do you always get what you want? That's not the idea behind it. You see, if we, do, if we treat fasting or prayer or uh, the Lord's table, what, if we treat these things like a formula, it's not going to work. Because it, it becomes formulaic instead of relational. If you do this, God. if I do this, then you will do this, and let's just, let's keep, you know, let's keep this good thing going that we got going. And there's no relationship that's formed between you and him. And so that's why sometimes God does, and sometimes God don't. Guys, when you tell your wife you love her, sometimes she lights up, and then sometimes she's like, ah, I love you, dude. Something's I love you. Something's I, I love you. You buy her flowers one week, and buy her flowers next week. Oh, I got to put those in a vase now. It's you can do the same thing over and over and get different results. That's relationship, right? And so that's what God wants from us. He wants relationship. He's not He's not our cosmic Coke machine that we stick you know quarters in and get things out. That's not who He is. It's a relationship. And so the best way that I know how to explain is when you do these practices of Jesus, you are just showing up and saying, okay, God, I'm here now. And you're being consistent on your part so that he can show up and do his part. He's God, not me. So I can't command him and demand him to do whatever I want him to do I show up, and then he does his part. Does that make sense? You follow me today. So as we move through the rest of this year, we're going to do some practices of Jesus. We're going to look at some practices. We're going to do them just like we already have been. And I feel like the most difficult one is over, fasting, right? Praise the Lord. But I I want to encourage you this week to think about how you can continue to fast throughout this year and uh, how to implement this in your life. So it's a normal, regular thing because in the early church, that's it was normal. It was normal for you to fast. Matter of fact, I think I covered this. They fasted two days a week, Wednesday and Friday. The early church did. They always did that normal. It was expected. I'm not saying you have to do that. I'm not trying to be realistic about it. But these are ways for you to transform and become more like Jesus. To to gain the fruits of the Spirit.